0: Welcome to the College Football Bros.
1: Yes, sir.
0: And now, here
2: are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman.
0: Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who was so close to being a legend in Waco. Uh, That would be me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who correctly predicted Memphis to the New Year Six. Thank you for acknowledging that. Yes, Trey Newman. All right. Before we get into the episode, we want to announce our ESPN Bowl Mania confidence pool. The winner is going to receive a mystery gift from the Bros, and we will post the link to join the league on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also sign up for our newsletter on our homepage at collegefootballbros.com, and we will send out an email with the link super cool very cool um okay let's uh let's get to our our only five-star review for the week yeah let's get to it guys just (laughs) it's from logan
2: sizemore uh making the long trip from spotify bama may have lost to lsu by five but georgia lost by 27 that's all that matters
0: roll tide all right thank you very much logan Okay. It's a long journey from Spotify. We appreciate it. A few, few clicks. It's not easy. <laughs> um, okay. Let's, uh, let's get into football. We're going to talk, of course, about the committee rankings later in the episode, but first let's recap championship week and Oregon beat Utah 37 15 on Friday in the Pac 12 championship. Trey, what'd you see here?
1: Yeah. This was a surprise. Utah had just been rolling over everyone, but maybe this moment was was too big for for the Utes I I don't know what it was I you know I know they were in the Pac-12 title last year but they were an underdog to Washington that and the playoff wasn't on the line and this year you know it's arguably their biggest game in program history as a win as it turned out would have got them in the playoff but all credit to Oregon Uh, they dominated and it was really impressive to see that duck defense smother the Utes They made Huntley uncomfortable all game. Like he was constantly under pressure, shuffling his feet. Yeah. Uh, You know, and you combine that with CJ Verdell running for 208 yards and three touchdowns against that defense. That was, uh, they made the Utes defense look pretty bad, which was impressive. So great Pac 12 title win for the Ducks. Yeah. They were number one,
0: number one in the country in rushing defense going into this game by far. It was, uh,
2: that's what was the most surprising thing for me in this game. And maybe they would have made the playoff had they won. I don't think it's a surefire. True. To, yeah, you know. I don't
0: think it's a surefire, but I agree with Trey. I, I think they would have.
2: Yeah, I do too, especially after an overtime OU victory over Baylor. Yep. Didn't look super impressive. But yeah, I I feel bad for Utah actually though at this. It's just in the Pac-12 in general. I mean, how, when are they going to get in the playoff here? It's been, it's been a while for them. So I thought the Utes had a good chance here. Committee... Kind of got bailed out if you look at it, though, it's like this was the easiest top four they've probably had to make yeah uh since we've had the committee. I mean it was just a no brainer after that it
0: you know it doesn't really matter who's five, six, seven, eight, whatever, but top four were just piece of cake here, yeah, and we'll get to obviously within that top four, you could have argued about number one, but we'll yeah, get to that yeah, we'll get to that um and yeah, Utah, I mean they played their worst game at the worst possible time. And uncharacteristically bad, like you said, Trey, of course, with giving up all those rushing yards. And Huntley, he'd only had two interceptions the entire season. He threw two in this game. And the big key for them that – well, one of the keys that helped them lose the game was fourth down. They were 0 for 4. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it just seemed like everything went wrong on fourth down. Even one fourth and short they had, they were, you know, of course going to go for it. And they fall started. And so they had to punt. The punt got blocked, so it's just it was really just a mess. Yeah, well, it was a bummer. Yeah, especially because a lot of people, I feel like, watching the game, that was maybe their first time watching Utah yeah. this season, and so they just think, oh, Utah sucks, Pac-12 sucks, but Utah was really good. You can't judge them based on their worst game of the season. And you know so. what I think it is? They just don't like Friday nights. Oh, that's right. USC got them on a Friday night, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're <laughs> sure. undefeated they, they, on I, Saturdays. That's, yeah, that's something. I mean, they're a Saturday team. Yeah. Um, as for Oregon, though, we got to give them credit. They're yeah. going to the Rose Bowl. Great season for them. And obviously, the way they're recruiting, they will, I'm sure, be back to this spot again. Yep. Oh, and one more shout out to uh, to Destiny for winning the Dr. Pepper Challenge, throwing it overhand. Oh, my gosh. She threw it overhand. That was impressive. Yeah. Most, that's... most people in that competition are, are chess passing it. Yeah, they kind of just cheat their way through it. Hmm, you think well, it's... Take advantage of the rules. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, all right, next game, Oklahoma won in overtime against Baylor. Ryan, mm. if you can mm. f- fight through the tears here, give us man. your thoughts. Why do you have to put me on this one first?
2: Oh, man. I'm sorry. This is, uh, it's too soon, Mike. It's too soon. Uh, even even, you know, even a, 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 a Baylor homer like me can admit that, oh, you – they really did control this game. Um, if not for a couple of uh, Jalen Hurts turnovers, this one probably wouldn't have been very close. Um, but, I mean, you know, Baylor did force those turnovers, I guess, and they were able to yeah. stay in it. Um, and, God, they were just so close in the fourth quarter there to
0: take the lead. Just get all... Uh. Yeah, that deep pass to Chris Platt. He was running running free, and he just he couldn't quite yeah. make it. No, that one,
2: that was it. I would have loved to have seen that get in and go put them up four because they ended up getting a stop on the the next possession. I mean, it would have been different had they scored a touchdown. But, you know, and then you flip to overtime. That just sucked. That was just like immediate touchdown for OU. Face mask, touchdown OU, and then sack, sack, just horrible plays from, from Baylor. But I, I do wonder what would have happened if Charlie Brewer obviously had stayed healthy. I mean, it mm-hmm. probably would have made a difference. I don't know if they would have won, but it, the game would have been different for sure
0: yeah I mean it ended up none of Baylor's quarterbacks played well of course Brewer in the short time he was in there didn't yeah. play well Um, and then of course he went out with a concussion and or at least I think I don't know if it's been reported that it was concussion, yeah it kind of seemed like it. it seemed like it had to be he got up and couldn't even stand up straight and somehow they put him back in the game I don't know how that happened but anyway um and then of course the the first backup bohannon he did throw that deep touchdown pass and then he had that one play where he just kind of threw a pop fly that ended up being completed but other than that he was he was bad and they took him took him out put in the freshman jacob zeno who had two really big plays yeah of course the touchdown pass and then the throw we we talked about to to chris platt but other than that he was over for 4 and then of course didn't do anything in overtime so yeah um credit to, to oklahoma's defense they stepped up in this one just like Baylor's did it's just Oklahoma had I guess a little
1: bit more offense (sighs) yeah I mean I will give credit to Oklahoma's defense because even when with Brewer in there they Brewer was in there pretty much the whole first quarter and they they shut shut him down and but they had they gave up those big plays that they're they've they've kind of been known to give up um, and you know I don't really come away from the game though just with a ton of confidence from Oklahoma I mean sweating it out in overtime against Two backup quarterbacks, like it's not the best look. And but I'll give give them credit; they made the plays when they needed to, and and then when they had to, and they they did it. But uh, I guess Baylor's defense was pretty pretty remarkable. To they kind of gave up some chunk yards, but they prevented OU from putting it away and, and scoring inside the twenty. So that was yeah. that was a, a key takeaway. But
0: uh, yeah, they were able to get pressure with with three man rushes, which was impressive against oklahoma yeah sometimes yeah. yeah every once in a while they got some pressure on on hurts and so they would you
1: know, of course a lot of guys back in coverage and jalen couldn't find anybody and you know props to you ryan i mean i still look at this like it was a win for you like they're still going to a new year's six bowl they're an ot away from yep. just an insane prediction and i mean just getting there was great so i that was impressive oh yeah i uh I feel bad for Baylor.
2: I mean, that's... It that would have been in the playoff, man. Baylor in the playoff. How cool would that have been? Crazy.
0: Uh, Yeah, I feel bad for myself, too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, it was a, still a good prediction, Ryan. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, we move on to LSU beating Georgia 37-10. And Georgia just had no chance in this one. I mean, first of all, Lawrence Cager was out, of course. George Pickens was out for the first half. Dominic Blaylock tore his ACL during the game. So they were really depleted at receiver. The receivers they did have were dropping passes. DeAndre Swift, of course, only had a couple carries because of an injury. Jake Fromm was, for the most part, not sharp. Hot Rod even missed a couple field goals. So oh, everything yeah, it went was wrong Bad for Georgia. And Joe Burrow was completing passes to himself. So <laughs> yeah, there was there was nothing it seemed like Georgia could do to win this game. Um and just want to give credit to Derek Stingley for LSU's defense. Oh, yeah, two interceptions. He was awesome. That defense is, you know, Grant
1: Delpit's back healthy, so they're looking better. Yeah, they're they were. I mean, they were LSU was just so impressive and dominant. And every time I watch LSU, I keep waiting for Burrow to kind of come back down to earth, but he just continues to make play after play, and he did it against a ridiculously good Georgia defense here. And and Michael, you touched on Stingley, like. LSU's defense probably played their best game. I know Georgia doesn't have the best offense, but the D-line was getting pressure. They held Georgia to only 61 rushing yards. You know, the Bulldogs, they they ran into a buzzsaw, but Kirby Smart's really going to have to consider making changes to this offense. In the last five games... Fromm has been below 50% in every single one of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know it's not entirely his fault. They got a young receiving core. There were injuries. There were even some drop balls in, in this game, but he just didn't intimidate any defenses this year. No,
0: the fans are not going to be very happy if, if it's just status quo next year. I have to think there's going to be some sort of changes.
2: Well, there's already one little change. Pittman's gone. Oh, well, well that's not a good one. Uh-uh, <laughs> that's that's exactly. one they didn't want. The best one they'd probably the last guy they wanted to leave yeah we'll get to that yeah no it it was total annihilation lsu i'm not surprised they were just by far the better team than georgia georgia was i mean no they were winning games
0: and stuff but they were not you know they were not that level all right uh next game clemson beating virginia 62 to 17 and trey you were talking before the podcast
1: you thought the refs cost virginia the game here i they were i mean seriously a call (laughs) here or there and it was a different game totally yeah no they i mean the tigers were just toying with them. They they got weapons all over. Every time you looked up, Lawrence was hucking it to T Higgins or Justin Ross. They're making ridiculous, insane catches on the sidelines, running for scores. I mean, it it was a clinic. Uh, but I will say though, you know, watching the game, if you watch the very first quarter, the first few drives, Virginia actually moved the ball really well. I mean, they mm-hmm. uh, on the first drive, Pitt Perkins threw a bad pick in the end zone. Uh, and then the next drive, they marched down and scored. So, I mean, if there is any takeaway that you want to do in this, it's that Virginia still got 387 yards against this defense. I'm, I mean, it's not a concern, but it's something maybe. Yeah, I guess so. Um,
0: but for me, even even with that, I think Clemson is the best team in the country. Obviously, it's super close between all those top three. But if I had to pick, if it was straight up against either LSU or Ohio State, I'm um, I'm taking Clemson. And it's mostly because... Just the way Trevor Lawrence has been playing these last six games, he's got twenty two total touchdowns, zero interceptions. And it's funny, he was obviously halfway through the season, you knew that there was no chance he was going to win the Heisman, but he's put himself to where he'll get some votes at least, you know? Yeah. He's he's you look at his stats, they're
2: they're great. It's kind of the Clemson's MO now. They just kind of at they have one wake up call in the middle of the year. And then they just play lights out their entire rest of the way. It's been like that for a while now. And yeah, you. it was kind of weird watching Lawrence at the beginning of the year. You just saw some throws and stuff that was just like, what? That just doesn't, you know, this isn't the guy that we saw dominating Alabama in the national title game. So it was kind of, you were kind of worried a little bit because it, you know, it did last like seven games. It wasn't just like one or two in a row. It was like more than half the season. So it was, it was a little worrisome, but yeah, now it's lights out so i don't know if they're number one if, if i had to pick them what the odds on favorite would be but it'd be close i don't know it's really close between those three it's schools hairs, it's so. tough yeah. man
0: yeah and saying they're the best team i don't think i definitely don't think they're the favorite to win at all that might sound yeah. like an oxymoron but or not an oxymoron that might sound like you know what i'm trying to say i sure. know what you're trying to yeah. say i'm the host of a podcast but i don't do words good so yeah
1: yeah, nah, I'll, yeah.
0: I'll just move on we'll get to that later uh Ohio State beat Wisconsin 34-21. What happened here, Ryan? Yeah, Wisconsin
2: was able to get uh, give the buckeyes a little bit of a scare here. They were up 21-7 obviously at halftime and at that time Jonathan Taylor had 135 rushing yards. So, you know, a good very good first half. Um but just completely flipped the script there in the second half. The Ohio State outscored Wisconsin 27-nothing and Jonathan Taylor finished the game with 148 yards so just 13 yards after halftime not not good enough if for the Badgers um, but Chase Young just continued to show why he's you know likely the best defensive player uh, in all of college football he had some he made some plays just that one tackle on Jonathan Taylor was just like I don't know it was just it's so hard to make that type of tackle
0: yeah he had showed some major strength there I mean he didn't do he didn't have a ton of production in this game, or really the last couple games, but no. But it's just you. I saw a still frame of him being triple teamed. At one yeah, time, his so. presence
2: was just like it's still so dominant that it's just yeah, he's worth every penny. But whoa, are you yeah, saying I, they're uh, paying him, Ryan? Whoa. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I knew that after I said <laughs> that, I was like, oh boy. Whoops. <laughs> no. Well, no. Sorry, NCAA. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just, so it was that first half though that may it's kind of cost them here at least the number 1 seed yeah had they played two halves like they did in the second half they they would have retained number 1 probably so i think I, you're right
1: yeah. yeah probably it didn't necessarily surprise me that wisconsin was winning at half but winning 21 to 7 was stunning yeah. and especially the way that they made ohio state's offense look as, as bad as it had all year and and then you didn't i didn't really see jack Cohn – being able to make the plays that he did, like he was doing some, he had some great runs uh, that that oh, were picking yeah. up first downs. Like, you, and then you started to think in your mind, you are like, hey, may just maybe Justin Fields' knee injury is is worse than we thought, and and but boom, so for, they scored on the first drive of the second half, and all of a sudden the field just pretty much tilted their way, and then they 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 pretty much flipped a f- flipped a switch. It's it's amazing that they were able to do that in the in the second half, twenty seven to nothing in the second half. Uh, it was it was an impressive uh, the kind of tale of two halves, yeah. And what was crazy
0: about this game, the way it it played out, where at halftime, obviously Wisconsin was was dominating the game, like you said. So I feel like the narrative started getting going. One of our listeners pointed out to us, "Hey, if Wisconsin, you know, wins comfortably here, do they have a chance to make the playoff?" And I really think they did. It would have at least been a discussion with Oklahoma because obviously, yes, Wisconsin would have had two losses one of them being to illinois but their strength of record i think would have been better than oklahoma so would have at least created oklahoma a little had a lot of close games yeah to finish the year yeah and the badgers would have had the best win oh yeah <laughs> but uh buckeyes made sure that we didn't have that conversation so anyway yeah I, it's too bad i wanted some real drama yeah i didn't get it sorry ryan it was a bad day for you yeah yeah i'm i'm getting used to that <laughs> okay <laughs> uh Cincinnati at Memphis and this game was was back and forth the whole way but Memphis with a minute left scored a touchdown to take the lead 29-24 so Cincinnati had one last chance and they actually drove down the field but ended up stalling just outside the red zone so Memphis got the win got the the G5 uh, near six slot but I kind of thought I mean Memphis did a lot to win the game obviously Antonio Gibson was a beast 162 total yards and two touchdowns DeMonte Coxie had a great game. Even their kicker, Riley Patterson, three for three with two 50-plus yarders. Um, but Cincinnati really, you could say, wasn't, blew this one. Wasn't Riley Patterson also their quarterback like two years ago? Riley. Or who is that? What, what, what?
2: Who was Memphis's quarterback when Trey was like all, you know, giggles over them?
0: No, you're right.
2: Like Riley. Wasn't it Riley Patterson or Riley? Stevenson? Riley Stevenson?
0: Ferguson. Oh, thank you. man that was bad by us yeah whoops anyway was it Riley though (laughs) it was Riley yeah it was (laughs) it was okay anyway um no but I thought Cincinnati kind of blew this one so Desmond Ritter ended up getting the start and he had definitely some good throws and some some good runs but overall was pretty inaccurate and had a big fumble in the red zone and the team in general just had a lot of penalties dropped passes so I'm I think they feel like they let one slip away yeah, Michael, and you didn't even
2: mention the uh, the first play here. They were kind of gifted an opportunity by by Memphis trying to
0: sneak an onside kick to start the game. But yeah, kind of backfired on them. But it really backfired. That was clearly Cincinnati's special teams had been very well coached to call a fair catch in that situation because yeah, they just did a little kind of pop fly, you know, 15 yards, and yeah. right away the Cincinnati guys were calling a fair catch. So. even even though they didn't get it they called kick catch interference and Cincinnati got the ball so yeah
2: yep big play um I don't know I I thought there was obviously some good moments from the offenses but to me it looked I thought both defenses kind of actually impressed me uh, a little bit in this game both QBs kind of struggled through the air you know Ritter did have some moments he said but mainly through the ground I thought he went over 100 yards which was you know pretty darn good but you know Uh, what it mattered most at this the best team won i thought memphis showed it all year and it helped having this game at home i think it's huge with those conference championships where they host it now some of them it's just like oh man like boise the mount west does it it's it's a huge deal in what uh did uh, thinking about that i'm trying to the app state the sunbelt does that too right
1: yeah all these home teams won
2: fau yeah fau FAU. well there you go all the home teams won so
1: makes difference but yeah i agree but watching it you kind of thought Memphis might have scored too soon when when Gibson went in with about a minute to go, because within a few plays, Cincinnati was already down to the Memphis twenty-one, and they kind of they kind of panned to the crowd, and the fans there just looked like they knew they were about to lose. It was because it, it happened so fast. But yeah. credit to the defense, they bowed up. Brian, you kind of touched on it. That's been Memphis' Achilles' heel the, the past few AAC championships. They haven't had a defense that could get them get the offense off the field. I was a little surprised by Cincinnati not playing Ben Bryant at all. Uh, They used him. He played pretty well last week. They just went fully back to Ritter. Um, And Ritter, I think he was like 16 of 36. Like he was pretty – his passing stats were pretty subpar. But, I mean, I know he did have the success on the ground, and he's your guy. But I thought they might mix him in a little bit. But uh, And, you know, thanks, guys. Michael, you pointed out I I did have Memphis as the the group of five (laughs) team before the season kind of forgot who i picked
0: we both had houston ryan but oh well, we both did yeah i give us you know uh an incomplete there
2: yeah wow they really didn't try <laughs> no <laughs> i mean yikes next year we're talking about next year they're just we're redshitting our pick nice
0: yeah yeah as long as derek king doesn't leave yeah exactly
2: all right well let's move on to some of the uh the other games here a little bit we'll touch on uh we had the uh, mountain west championship hawaii played at boise and uh, really cold weather, not good for Hawaii. Uh, the Broncos, as one might expect, dominated the Rainbow Warriors on the Smurf turf, 31 to 10. They Hawaii got a kind of a cheap late touchdown. It was even worse than score indicated, but Jalen Henderson, I thought he outperformed Cole McDonald. Um, Boise just had another good year, 12 and 1 with one close loss at BYU, kind of costing them that New Year's 6 spot, so hard to be too upset because they had some other close games, but you know you want, you always want to look back and be like ooh so but a good year Brian Harson yet again
0: what do you want to do when you look back
2: <laughs> ooh
1: okay just kind of moan and groan nice and i'm going to yeah. talk about that that sunbelt game sunbelt sunbelt game that we just <laughs> talked about uh louisiana and app state it was uh, it was a definitely a much different game than the the one that they played early in the year where it was 17 to 7 the offense is yeah. We're on fire in this game. App State jumped out to a twenty-one nothing lead. Darrington Evans scored all three of those those touchdowns. He, you know, he was the Sun Belt Player of the Year and he showed why. Uh, the Mountaineers actually got up forty-two to seventeen midway through the third quarter, but then Levi Lewis caught fire. He threw four touchdowns, got the raging Cajuns to within seven with a minute to go, but they couldn't get the ball back again, and Louisiana ended up being. Uh, done in by by three turnovers including one of them being a pick six all right next game we have
0: is the conference usa championship fau won at home against uab 49 to 6 and of course it was lane kiffin's last game as fau's head coach and yeah just a blowout from start to finish nothing to really glean from the game fau clearly the class of the conference um and obviously we'll get to lane kiffin to ole miss later and all the other head coaching hires but I just want to give credit. I'm sure they really value this coming from the college football bros to <laughs> yeah. Florida Atlantic for making the hire of Lane Kiffin. It was, yeah. Of course, it's always a risky hire to bring in Lane, and they got two conference championships in three seasons, so worked out great. It definitely paid off for them. Oh yeah, and they're set
2: up for future success, even without Lane Kiffin. There's a lot of talent still on that squad. So, yeah. I mean, it, when with that we made when they made that hire, we were all pretty well on board with that. I know, obviously, you were, but oh yeah uh, that was, that was a good hire for them. kind of like Butch Davis at FIU. We thought, yeah, that's good too. You know, and they're doing pr- pretty solid. So, okay, but let's move on to, uh, the Mac championship here. We had Miami of Ohio, Central Michigan. This one, uh, certainly had some drama filled in it. Uh, Miami was up 28 or 26, 21. Um, and then Central Michigan was going for an onside kick late in the game and they kick it, Hey, they get it. They look like they're, you know, they're celebrating. The guy kind of runs to the end zone, but you can't really advance it. But he was they recovered the off on the onside kick, but he was well offside, so it was a penalty for, you know, touching illegal legal touch, whatever offsides. Ball goes to Miami Ohio Miami Ohio pulls it out twenty-six-twenty-one. Kind of a crazy game. And Miami Ohio was a pretty big good sized underdog in this game, so it was a good a good win for them. Um They dominated the things that mattered the most: penalties, turnovers. uh, Although they did have to settle for quite a few field goals, four of them, and credit to the kicker for making them. Though, Um, but they hey, they finished eight and five this year, and three of their losses were at Iowa, at Cincy, and at Ohio State. So that's a a pretty darn good eight and five record if
0: you're in Ohio. Yeah. All right, that does it for the conference championships. Then let's uh, let's get to the playoff rankings. So. In, uh, in the first round of the playoff in the semifinals, we're going to have number one, LSU. Of course, they jumped Ohio State and they're going to play against number four, Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. And LSU has favored 13 points. And then number two, Ohio State is going to play number three, Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. And Clemson is a, is a two point favorite. So what were your thoughts on the top four? Any
1: disagreements anywhere in there? No, I mean, I, I totally agree. Did't we kind of touched on it didn't have a problem with lSU going back to number one you know they destroyed the number four team in georgia and 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 as it turns out to end the year lSU had five top ten wins and since that alabama game they've they've crushed everyone The one thing I did want to say though is we're really lucky that we have the playoff like imagine with the b c s only having two teams for a national Ooh, championship like yeah that would be a that would be really tough yeah it's pretty rare to have three undefeated
2: you
0: know power five schools like this it doesn't it that rarely rarely happens so yeah obviously you got to go back to uh when usc and oklahoma and auburn right was that yeah, yeah. Was that, oh, s- 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 like oh three ish Cadillac- three i think Williams. it was
2: oh four oh four oh four oh four yeah yeah Yep. Yeah. Yeah. anyways um yeah i don't have any problems with the rankings i think two and three it doesn't really matter if you're two or three obviously because they just play each other but I think they got the number one team right. LSU, to me, had been the most impressive all year. They had the best wins. They won at Alabama. They beat a good Georgia team. They just had the most convincing case. I mean, Clemson was obviously really good, but they had that one little hiccup in their schedules, really, really weak. Buckeyes were pretty dominant, too. Maybe yeah, slipped up to, a little... hard to
0: really impeach the Buckeyes at I know, all. it
2: really is. They, they won by 13 in their conference championship game, so it's like, well, <laughs> what's the problem with that? But yeah. I don't know. When you compare it to LSU, they showed a little... You know, hiccup. I guess so. I don't know. I think LSU was the right number one seed.
0: Yeah, I I didn't feel too strongly about either LSU or Ohio State. Either one was a reasonable choice. But one thing I did think when they uh, came out with all these rankings was just remembering back to if Tua hadn't gotten hurt, just think how good this field would have been. Because we're all talking about this top three, this amazing top three. It would have been a ridiculous top four, right? I mean, that would have been yeah crazy true it really would have but you think tua would have if they would have they would have been auburn most likely it would have been um, auburn yeah and i think they would have been in the way everything played out yep that's true
2: oof man
0: good point anyway let's uh how about the rest of the rankings anything anything notable anything look
1: off well well you just touched on it. alabama even though without tua they dropped a 13th i I have no allegiance whatsoever to Bama, and it doesn't really matter, but that seemed a little little much steep steep of a drop. Now, and the other thing I did want to point out was it did seem – again, this doesn't matter, but it seemed weird that Utah dropped six spots when they lost to number six, Oregon, while Georgia gets trounced, only drops one spot, and Wisconsin didn't move at all after being kind of crushed in the second half. Again, it doesn't matter, but they really slammed Utah. Yeah, that's a good point. I I feel like Georgia
2: should have dropped a little bit here. They, I mean, and they did go up against the number one seed, but they got
1: dominated. But I've I've got more. Like you guys, this okay? So the New Year six. I I appreciate the Bull tie-ins for conferences. I really do. And and like Virginia, good for them. Oh, but Virginia, like, that's, give me a break. So Virginia, of course, gets to now play in the Orange Bowl, and they're going up against Florida. They're like a two touchdown underdog. I mean, I think the New Year's Six would be way more compelling if you were putting truly kind of the top teams in. I mean, there's a there's a case for either side, and it just so happens that Virginia's kind of down, and the ACC's really down. But they just don't seem worthy of a New Year's Six Bowl, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like they're going to leave out Penn
2: State, Auburn, you know, Alabama. Well, like, those schools, I don't know. It's Well, they on, didn't
0: Virginia. leave out Penn State. Yeah, Penn State got oh, in. Oh, I'm sorry, but, not Penn State. No, but uh, –
1: like yeah, Utah, Utah or you know, whoever. Yeah. Alabama and Michigan. Yeah. And my last point is the Ducks. So they essentially got punished for losing in the final seconds to Auburn. I, I know they had the ASU loss, like, no doubt about it. But pretend they had just played some weak team in week one and, and won, so they only had one loss. You're comparing then Oregon to, to Oklahoma. So like in my opinion, a, a a close last second loss to auburn on a neutral field is just as good to me as beating a cupcake and like the committee just didn't really end up rewarding that which fair or not fair just a point yeah. i like to point out
0: yeah i mean you can say it cost them which which maybe it did but you can also that's just the way it played out this time but if they had okay beaten auburn and then they would have let's say got compared to a one loss Oklahoma or if Tua Tua hadn't got it hurt a one loss out I know I'm doing lots of ifs here but it could have very well played out that way to where a win over Auburn would have made their resume better and gotten them in over those teams so yeah you do take a risk but there is a reward there so yeah and plus outside of
2: Utah they didn't really have many many quality wins I know it's I know it was a close loss but yeah
1: i agree i it's just it's just a
2: point
0: yeah no it's true i hear you i thought florida was also maybe a little bit low they were number nine they're sixth in strength of record and they only two losses close ones against georgia and at lsu so yeah no way they passed baylor okay <laughs> according to you yeah no they i understand it well and then as far as the top g5 team memphis at 17 that was obviously kind of a no-brainer um But close behind them were 19, 20, 21 were Boise State, App State, Cincinnati. So it would
1: have been interesting like if App State would have finished undefeated because their schedule was obviously much weaker than Memphis, even though Memphis it would have been a very interesting debate to have. I don't think you could have left out App State undefeated. Uh, That would have been it would have been close, though.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think they would have got it. They're only like three back of Memphis right now. I know, but would have been close. But no, I was I was saying the G5 dominates like the the bottom of the 25 this whole year. I know they kind of just put them
0: put them into clusters. They put them 20 through 25 pretty much the whole the whole year. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to the coaching carousel, and we'll start with a coach who is staying, and that is of course Clay Helton. USC Athletic Director Mike Bone announced that he's being retained, and boneheaded move. Yeah. Oh, good one, Ryan. Thank you. Got him. Nice. Um, <laughs> No, I I don't like it, obviously, as a USC fan. And my thoughts on it this year are essentially exactly the same as they were last year. So I'm I'm literally just going to play a clip from last year's episode. And I'm long-winded, so it is long. But everything still applies. So I'm just going to play it. So first off, it's never a good sign when you're making a decision that you have to write a letter to the fans basically saying... I know you're all going to hate this, but here's <laughs> here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And what I don't get is why we're clinging to this guy, Clay Helton, who wasn't even considered a good hire at the time. It, Certainly interim, not. Yeah. It's not like any other good schools would have wanted to hire Clay Helton as their head coach. And last year, with one of the best quarterbacks and rosters in the country, that should have been a time where USC is a clear playoff contender. And... We were just non-competitive. Got dominated at Notre Dame. Got dominated by Ohio State. So we just clearly weren't near that upper echelon of teams. No. And then this year, still an extremely talented roster, and we're garbage—like, really, <laughs> really bad. Five and seven. That—that that really shouldn't happen. And I'm not saying that I want to take maybe a little bit of a step back. That it can't work with Clay Helton. You know, with some changes to the staff, that would be overconfident for me to say that it just couldn't work. But I think. It's borderline egregious to think that Helton gives us a better chance of becoming a consistently good team than, say, a Matt Campbell or Neil Brown or Jeff Brom or someone that's proven it uh, with less talent. And then the final point, and this is probably the most important thing, is that the fan base is so against this guy. That it's really going to make things toxic. Like it's, it's going to be much more difficult to recruit. The whole vibe around the program is going to be negative all off season. The fans are probably not going to show up next year. They didn't show up this year. It was our lowest attendance since 1987. So you thought that would have sort of spurred a change. The boosters aren't happy. I, I don't see them donating a lot. Um, it's not going to be easy to pull in a, a great coordinator when the coach is maybe a lame duck. Although we'll talk about later. Maybe I'm wrong there. And the other thing is that it's not just Homer USC fans like me that are saying this. This is pretty much unanimous among, you know, national college football writers and people on message boards. And I go on RCFB and I see other Pac 12 fans saying, thank goodness they're keeping Clay Helton. So this is just all bad. I'm very unhappy. Wow. No crap. You're. They, that guy left a review saying you're long winded. <laughs> it's like that man. That clip went on forever. Whoa. But That is so funny because it's like you could say the exact same things this year. Of course, yeah. So what do you think, Trey? What do you do you think that was genius? I, I mean, genius <laughs> commentary
1: by Michael that took forever. That was every point played itself out, and it's still still valid, still true. And unfortunately, it looks like you're going to be in this exact same situation next year. And if if you guys want entertainment, go on Twitter and look at the replies to Mike bone, the ad when he announces that they're going to keep Helton. I mean, it's just both USC fans and non USC fans are just beside themselves. And I, but I really pray, well, maybe not that far, but I really, really hope that bone at least reached out and wasn't successful with, with guys like urban James Franklin or other fish. I, I, I hope, I mean, if he didn't, then, then why, why couldn't they get him to begin with? I, it's just, it's astounding, really. Yeah, it's uh, its just
2: bad news. There's no other way to put it. It's, USC's just, it, they're furthering, that putting themselves away from the, the top. Like, Oregon's just grabbing a firmer hold on that conference, and U-Dubs is grabbing a firmer hold on that conference. Uh, each, each and passing year, Clay Held's still around.
0: Yeah, I mean, last year, we had the 20th ranked recruiting class, which by USC standards is horrible. Yeah. And that's clearly not a good enough class to to really compete at the top level. Um, this year, it might even be worse. Obviously, there's still a ways to go, but it's it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. And then with the f- way the fan base hates this guy, he's going to be on... Not hates him, that's a strong word, but you know. You know don't want I mean. him to be the coach. They're against him. Exactly. Um, how's he going to pull in a good class next year? So it's, it's crazy. But Ryan, I want to play your uh, thoughts from last year because you were... Uh, during that episode, fighting through a cold,
2: I thought I sounded a little funky there yeah yeah, yeah i don't I don't get why
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was your reaction to us keeping Clay I'm Ellen, just baffled. So. <laughs> yeah i don't I don't get why, <laughs> and you went on to say- N- nobody wanted to keep him it just
2: doesn't make sense to me, playing hurt, <laughs> wow, that was a pretty I don't usually get that type of a hoarse voice like that, but that was <laughs> That was pretty bad. You were bad. playing through it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get to coaches on the way out. And the first one is Chris Peterson, of course, stepping down and being replaced by defensive coordinator Jimmy Lake. I already gave my thoughts on this last week yeah. uh, by myself. People said True. it was the best best portion of any episode no, they'd ever no heard. One, no one said that. They did? No. I, you don't have access to the email account. There were lots of emails. <laughs> um, what, did, what did you think about this, Ryan. I mean, we were all pretty surprised why obviously once Peterson stepped down,
2: but not like in totally shocked. I mean he's there's a reason why he hasn't gone to, you know, the USC's or the Floridas, you know, those types of jobs. He wanted to stay Pacific Northwest, you know, he's kind of a low key type of guy. Um so I'm not totally stunned. But Jimmy Lake, there's obviously that was the reason why he wasn't taking uh those other type he could have got a ton of jobs. I mean, he was offered a lot the past couple of years. Um but I guess There was, he kind of knew UW was going to have an opening here for him. So, but Jimmy Lake, I mean, it's perfect. They're going to recruit well. They're going to keep the same system. I I just, they're going to keep that train moving and I don't see it slowing down. It might even, I don't know, it could get a little better. Who knows?
1: Yeah. He's maybe a little obviously unproven as a head coach, but if I was a Washington fan, I wouldn't be terribly disappointed. Like right now it doesn't seem like the worst downgrade because like you said, he can recruit. He's a he's he's that's what he's known for and and he's turned out good defenses there and he has the the blueprint that peterson laid out so i think the the players and recruits will gravitate towards him
0: all right what uh i won't give any more thoughts on that you can refer to last week's episode but who's our next coach on the way out
1: next one is mike bobo at colorado state he's uh which now he's actually going to be the offensive coordinator at south carolina uh which is A little good offensive
2: coordinator in his days. It's not, uh, you know, that's solid hire.
1: Yeah, no, that he's that's his best role. Yeah, he did a great job at Georgia. With he got the most out of all their the quarterbacks there. You know, Shockley, David Green, Stafford, Murray, even like Hudson Mason. Like he he did very well in that role. But as a head coach, the Rams just had to cut ties. He went four and eight in what was his fifth year. They were three and nine last year. They opened up a brand new stadium a year ago, and. And they've been disappointing. They're not beating any of their rivals. So the, it was time. Yep. Yep. Agree there. Um, all
2: right. We'll move on to uh, another coach having to step down. Uh, Jeff Tedford at Fresno state. It's kind of a little short lived run there for a successful run for, for Tedford at Fresno state. He says it's health reasons and spending more time with his family. So hopefully it's not uh, something too serious uh, health wise for, for Jeff, but um it's a big loss for Fresno. I mean, he was he was doing a great job there.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get to some coaching hires. So we'll start with Lane Kiffin going to Ole Miss. That's of course the uh, the biggest news.
1: So Trey, you a fan of this? Oh my gosh! If I was an Ole Miss fan right now, I would be so. I'd be dancing in the grove. I am I, an old Ole Miss fan. I just called him Ole yeah. Miss, but I'm I'm an <laughs> Ole Miss fan. <laughs> You're the biggest Rebel fan I know. (laughs) No, I mean, you know Kiffin's going to get talent. He always has at SC, Tennessee, and then even at Florida Atlantic. And it really, it's a hire that makes Ole Miss relevant again in the SEC. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight, but if he's given a little bit of time, he's going to get his players in there, and I don't see why this couldn't work. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Hugh Freeze got it going. I mean, he
2: maybe did it a little sketchy but he he got it going I think Lane Kiffin can do the same thing I know it's it's a tough battle there uh, in the SEC West it's a very very competitive one but Lane Kiffin ain't gonna back down I think like you said he's gonna bring in I would be shocked if he didn't have like a top 10 recruiting class uh, as in his first full full season there he recruits super well so maybe top 15 it's gonna be really good it's gonna be really good Um, yeah you, you gotta be excited if you're down there in Ole Miss it's that was a great hire he was probably the best I don't know if of all the coaches that were available. I thought he was number one.
0: Yeah, it's it's an A plus hire. We all agree. And just just again, I think I mentioned this last week, but what what he did at FAU, they were three and nine for three straight seasons. And like I said earlier, he won two conference championships there in three years. So uh, yeah, I think it is a, a very good hire. I'm interested to see who he fills his
1: staff out with.
2: Um, that'll be kind of kind of curious to see.
1: Yeah. Um next big hire was uh at Florida State, Mike Norvell from Memphis. Uh Michael, what do you what do you think of this? I
0: think it's it's a fine hire. It's it's not one if I were a Florida State fan that I'd be jumping up and down, but I also wouldn't be mad about it. He uh so he took over obviously at Memphis after Fuente had had kind of built it up. But the bright side is he sustained it and then this year took it up a level. So, yeah. There's there's nothing wrong with the hire. I'm just kind of in wait and see mode. We'll we'll see. Yeah, that's the thing. It's
2: it's it's kind of like a. I, I don't know how he's going to recruit there. That's still kind of yet to be seen. He's only really been at Memphis. You don't know if he's going to be an ace recruiter. It uh, you don't have to be an amazing guy to have a top ten class at Florida State. That kind of sells itself. But I, it, it's wait and see mode. It's a, it's a C plus B minus hire because he just it's not like oh yes this guy's going to turn us around no doubt it's like well we had to get rid of the previous guy so (laughs) we'll just take what's kind of best available so
1: i i totally agree with you guys it's it's not maybe the sexiest hire but it got really toxic there with taggart so as long as norvell doesn't have that same environment i i think he can succeed succeed but uh but really time will tell
2: Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, SEC school here. We got uh, Missouri. They hired Eli Drinkwitz away from uh, App State. So uh, what do you think of that one, Trey?
1: I don't have a huge problem with this one. Mizzou, it's a tough school to win at in the SEC. Uh, Drinkwitz, he's young, has energy. He's done well with quarterbacks in his career. But there is the skeptic in me that he only coached one year at App State and he inherited the Sunbelt champs and right. I know he did well again obviously but he was given a plateful right there
0: oh yeah and not only were they the Sunbelt champs they had just about everybody coming back yeah so. they returned to everybody yeah yeah I mean it's quarterback right the fact that he went 11 and 1 is good I mean it's better than if he went 9 and 3 but still I, I feel like he's unproven as a head coach but you know I mean he was well thought of going into that job as well did a good job at NC State and Boise, and Boise, so that's fine.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's fine. You know, I mean, he did a uh, Ryan Finley had some. He was super efficient there at NC State, and Eli Drinkwitz was his offensive coordinator. So, give some, give him some credit there. But yeah, it's 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 hard to tell. You don't know how it, how's the defense going to be. Uh, it's a little worrisome when you got the uh, bringing an offensive guy. It's like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> okay, we got to stop. We got to stop some people.
0: Too. Yeah, you do. We got a lot of noises this episode, Ryan. Okay. Uh Last Power Five hire we have here is uh, Sam Pittman to Arkansas. Of course, Sam Pittman, the offensive line coach uh, for for Georgia. So Ryan, what would you, what'd you um, think of this one?
2: I, I feel I don't know. It's uh, I feel like he's going to bring great energy to, to the program, and it's a guy that really really wants to be there. I think Arkansas fans like him. I, yeah, they seem pretty happy. Seems pretty clear. for the most part. Yeah, they seem pretty happy about it, even though he's never even been like a coordinator. <laughs> He's only been yeah. offensive line coach in his career slash associate head coach, but he's been everywhere. You know, he's he's been all around a ton of programs and really seen it all. So I think it's a good hire for them. He's going to bring energy. I think he's going to recruit well. He's obviously a good recruiter. That old line needs some work there in Arkansas. So that's, that's going to be priority number one, probably for Sam Pittman, but I think it's good.
1: I mean, this to me is a little underwhelming. Uh, I honestly, I'd heard of him, but I, I'll be straight up honest. I had to look up, look him up to remember most of his credentials. Yeah, uh, he he's obvious like you touched on right. He has the SEC background and the history at Arkansas, and he has somewhat of a reputation for being able to recruit. But not having been a head coach since back in '93 at a community college, uh, it I don't know. It, it's a little concerning to me.
0: He seems kind of like the uh, the O line version of Eddie O. Which, I was gonna say that Eddie O or John Blake when he went to o- OU. Or something. Yeah, yeah, they've got they've got the energy. Everybody loves them. Great recruiter. So hopefully it works out like uh, like Eddie O has in this LSU stint, and not like the Ole Miss at the stint. Arkansas level. Yeah.
1: All right, I'm gonna touch on uh, USF. They hired Jeff Scott, the uh, Clemson co offensive coordinator. It makes sense to me why USF would would go to a guy like scott he's respected youthful he he saw the growth of clemson over the past 10 years he knows what it takes to develop a program because he just watched what Dabo did uh and usf's kind of hoping to capitalize on that yeah yeah it's a solid hire um boy
2: it uh talk about a total train wreck there for charlie strong i mean wow He'd yeah. them into the ground. <laughs> it's not good. It was <laughs> pretty bad, man. Uh, all right. What, 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 what uh, going back to Charlie Strong, how, how did he do so well at Louisville and then just tank in the next two jobs? I don't know. I don't know. It is crazy. It's not like those two, I mean, Texas had great advantages and you US, USF even has some of their advantages. Like, for Florida. sure.
0: For sure. And for if fun. he hadn't had Quentin Flowers his, his first year, it would have gone even worse. Yeah. True. Anyways.
2: All right, we're moving on to uh, Old Dominion. Yeah, we're talking about Old Dominion here. They uh, right. they hired Rick. Huh? I just
0: said, all right. I'm just trying to support you.
2: Yeah, they, thank you. Were well, they the Monarchs, right? Yep. Yep.
0: Old- uh, they hired Ricky Ronnie.
2: He uh, sounds like a race car driver to me. <laughs> um, but he is going to be the head coach at Old Dominion now. Yeah, it's a good hire. They uh, He had a good run there. A couple years offensive coordinator at Penn State. Obviously took over a pretty good situation, but he... I like what he did this year with Sean Clifford. He had a surprisingly good year. It wasn't amazing, but it was pretty solid. Um so it's youthful guy, he's been around James Franklin for several years now, so he knows how to run a program, probably will knows the importance of recruiting and everything, but it's it's Old Dominion. It's not like it's uh some high-level program. So I think that's a pretty good get if you're Old Dominion.
0: Yeah, I mean, you sounded more complimentary of Ricky Ronnie than I think most Penn State fans are. They were pretty happy to to be getting rid of him, but they went like eleven and or ten and two, and they had a pretty good up. Like, well, they had pretty good defense. Yeah, they too, had a so.
2: good defense. The offense wasn't bad.
0: Yeah, it's. I will say, it seems like most, a lot of fan bases don't like their offensive coordinator, and sometimes they're yes, a little hard to go to the it. next place, and it turns out well. So, all right, last one we have. Last hire was uh, Arkansas running back coach Jeff Trailer going to UTS- UTSa to be their head coach and uh, i definitely had to look up him he's but he's a high school coaching legend in texas he won three straight championships coaching gilmer and he's known as a as a really great recruiter um especially in the texas area so it's, why not seems like a no-brainer then huh yeah sure
2: <laughs> yeah sure why not beep beep ah utsa got it good one roadrunner yeah it. there you go good input trey thank, thank you uh, all right. Well, let's see. So we got some uh, coaching vacancies filled, but let's take a peek here at uh, what we still have remaining. We got uh, UNLV. They moved on, obviously, for Tony Sanchez. Uh, Boston College, no more Steve Adazio. Uh, Colorado State, just fired Bobo. Although it's kind of looking like Butch Jones is kind uh, of a leader, maybe, in the clubhouse for that job. Uh, Fresno State, uh, Florida Atlantic, Memphis, and App State. Okay. So, what do you, which job would you want the most if you had that those list of schools? All right,
0: Ryan, you should have asked that before you started listing them because I was not listening. I'll list them again. Okay. UNLV,
2: Boston College, Colorado State, Fresno State, FAU, Memphis, App State.
0: Ooh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one, actually. It's, I mean, my goal would be to, get a job that's going to you know catapult me into the next great job. So, there's one Power 5 team in there. It's only BC. I know, Boston College is Power 5, so no, that would be good, yeah. but I will say I'll say Memphis just because they've got it rolling there. Yeah. So, if if I can just sustain it then I'm probably going to get a good Power 5 job.
2: It's probably the best team in there right now. FAU is pretty solid, but it's a little Conference USA is a little a little bit lower than the AAC so yeah all
1: right what about you Trey you gotta answer yeah, What about you Trey I agree with Memphis but you know if I was gonna go more to the the mid mid-level maybe UNLV yeah they get to play in the new Raiders stadium that could be a little uh recruiting pitch coming to Vegas but yeah be a fun fun job tough job yeah tr- trade be hitting up the script clubs every <laughs> night <laughs> You dog! My entire paycheck would be on the tables. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, for sure. Uh,
0: okay, uh, then we've also got Jake Bentley transferring to Utah. Just some more news there. I think it's a uh, a good a get for sure for Utah. They've of course they're going to be losing Tyler Huntley, so yeah, they need a quarterback. Why not? Shelley's not the answer. Well, it doesn't seem so, but we'll see what happens. They've yeah, also we'll got. We'll see what happens. They've got Cameron Rising right on the uh, yeah the Texas transfer. Yeah, so could be a little True. battle there but we'll see. I would I would definitely favor uh Bentley like I said Bentley. but let's get to the top 5
1: list, Trey. What do you got for us? Oh yeah, well, obviously this upcoming week the Heisman Trophy will be announced. And of course we all know who's going to win it. Probably the biggest one of the biggest landslides we've we've seen in in recent history with the Heisman. Yeah. So I'm going to start out with number 1. Joe Burrow of course, LSU will will, will win the Heisman. But then it's it's kind of a crapshoot after that. So I'm gonna go number two, Justin Fields, Ohio State. Uh, he just he was consistent all year. He was a threat both running and throwing, of course. And he just he kind of was a difference maker. And you you saw how uh, the team rallied behind him, and he he got that offense going. He only ended the season with one pick, right? Uh, yeah, that's. Oh, I didn't even really mention his stats. He was super efficient. Yeah. Uh, Number three, I'm going to go Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma. There might be a little bit of uh, voter apathy with the Oklahoma quarterbacks, but really, particularly those first probably nine games, he put up just ridiculous numbers, kind of mirroring Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. Slowed down a little bit towards the end as OU got in those close games, but still had an awesome year, and, and he's going to New York. Number four... The the last finalist that's going to be in New York. I'm going with Chase Young. Uh, he might have been higher, but he you know he missed those two games obviously to suspension. And since then he was relatively quiet again in the two biggest games, Michigan and Wisconsin, in the the Big Ten Championship. I know he gets a lot of attention, but he was prevented from getting uh, some some of those highlight plays and and a bunch of more stats to to elevate him on this list. Still still great to be in New York. Number five, though, this is really hard. I was kind of between Chuba Hubbard, J.K. Dobbins, but I ended up going with Jonathan Taylor. Hmm. Uh, He played great, well, particularly in the first half against Ohio State. And uh, I probably would have picked Dobbins, but I think most of his votes are going to go to the other Buckeyes. Yep. It's a good list. All right.
0: Uh, let's, uh, Let's close out the episode here. Let's get to the questionable finish. First question: Other than the playoff, which bowl game are you most looking forward to? Uh, this, is, this is
2: always a tough question when you look at it. I'm going to go with Utah and Texas in the Alamo Bowl. That one's being played on December 31st, the night game. I don't know. That one's just got me
0: intrigued. Texas loses that six six losses for them. Kind of kind of rough. All right, my right, I'm going with the Belk Bowl: Kentucky against Virginia Tech. Because of the quarterback matchup. It's our last chance to see Lynn Bowden at quarterback. He announced he's going pro, but he is supposed to play in this game. And then on the other side, Hendon Hooker, another great dual threat. And, you know, he's obviously the quarterback of the future for for Virginia Tech. Yeah. And they have a great Twitter account. Oh, great? (laughs) They have a a great
1: Twitter account. Oh, sure do. (laughs) Yeah, I think it'd be easy to say the Citrus Bowl with Michigan and Alabama. But I'm going to go... The Las Vegas Bowl. You've yeah. got Chris Peterson's Huskies matching up against his old old team, the Boise State Broncos. We've talked about how Boise arguably could have been that Group of Five New Year's Six uh, team. And with a win, they would head, in, head into next year with a little bit more hype. And then for UW, they obviously want to send Peterson out with a win. And uh, if Eason has a big bowl game, he might bolt to the NFL. So there's a lot of storylines. Yeah. All right. Next one. David Hale posted on Twitter that your bowl
0: game name is the thing you ate before the last time you threw up. The sponsor is the last place you called customer service to complain. And the location is the last place you had a flight delayed. So let's give our our bowl games. What's yours, Trey?
1: (laughs) Wow. Uh, I'm going with the Staples Western Barbecue Burger Bowl in Omaha. Wow. Didn't know Omaha had a place where you could play. So
0: Western Barbecue Burger, was that at Carl's Jr. tray? Carl's Jr., Hardy's Oof. in the rest of the country, but yeah. Carl's here. Okay. Uh mine is the Postmates McRib Bowl in San Francisco. Nice. Yeah. Never okay. never having the McRib again.
2: All right. Mine is the uh the Amazon Flame Broiler Bowl that I guess I had a chicken bowl there. So the Amazon chicken bowl in Milan, Italy.
0: <laughs> Ooh, fancy
1: International
2: Yeah,
0: yeah Ryan, I, uh, I've i been eating flame broiler a lot So that's concerning to me Did you get really sick? I don't think it was that th- It was what made me
2: sick I just happened to eat that bef- And then I got like a brutal migraine Oh, and then you bin- binge up. drank
1: all night? Is that... No Oh No, just... Maybe maybe from that episode last year Yeah, who knows when, when I it, yeah,
2: it had been a while since I had thrown up But uh, I do remember that it was okay. rough. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, thank you.
0: Uh, last one. Army at Navy. Navy is favored 10 and a half. I'm going to take Army here, and it's purely because our loyal listener, Rutgers Todd. He's Army Todd this week, so yeah. he's a big fan
1: of Army. He is. Props to him. And I'm rooting for him just so that we can have a close game, but I, I, I'm sorry, but I got to go Navy. Uh, Army really struggled down the stretch. They only had two wins in their last eight games against UMass, who was terrible, and VMI. So I, they're going to give Navy their best shot, but Malcolm Perry, best player on the field, I think he'll get it done.
2: I'm going to go with Army here. I mean, the, you mentioned the struggles down the end, but they lost at Air Force a few weeks back, 17-13. to 13. Air Force is a really good squad, So and they beat UMass by 56. So they're <laughs> obviously not very good, but... They aren't that bad, so I think uh, Army will keep it interesting.
0: Give me, uh, give me them. All right, thanks for listening to the College Football Bros podcast. Next week, we are going to have the third annual Golden Bro Awards presented by Ace Hardware, <laughs> and we uh, we're also going to start releasing our our bowl preview episodes. So we typically do five episodes previewing and recapping bowl games. So. Just be sure you're subscribed. the The schedule gets a little wonky. Just kind of randomly. Yeah, last year was a little
2: funky, especially for me. Uh, I was on a long road trip over that break.
0: Oh, you were you in Milan? Was that when you were in? No,
2: no, that was oh. a road trip. I was in like
0: Utah and Montana and ah uh, Wyoming. Gotcha. But you brought the microphone and powered through it. I did. Are we all? Are we all around for the holidays? Can we do a podcast in person for the first time? Uh, I think we can. Yeah,
2: i I'll be around. Might be able I'll to I'll be coaching hoops, but you know, that's that keeps me actually pretty
0: busy. But <laughs> Okay, so maybe not. Anyway. Maybe not. Uh we'll see what we can do and uh yeah, we'll talk to you next week.
2: You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail dot com. To keep up with the brothers on social media. Like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.